this is Dr. Bob Evans, and welcome to our podcast, Parental Alienation from Couch to Courtroom and Beyond. We will discuss the resisting and refusing dynamic, commonly referred to as parental alienation, how you'll know it's happening in your case, and what can be done about it. Parental alienation can cause stress and trauma in high-conflict cases. These podcasts focus on how attorneys and mental health professionals can support families and children. Well, welcome. This is Chapter Episode 21, How Time Flies. One of the things I wanted to talk about today is um, about a book that I wanted to cover when we were in Colorado at the International Conference of for the Parental Alienation Study Group, but it really, we ran out of time. It was just We had just trying to do too much within a short period. Anyway, the book I want to talk about was Philip Zimbardo's The Lucifer Effect. Now, Philip Zimbardo is a social psychologist, and just so you know the difference between a social psychologist and a clinical psychologist, clinical psychologist is interested in the individual kind of dysfunctions within the person, you know, clinical personality disorders, uh, uh, mental disorders, that type of thing. Uh, And obviously trying to help that person have a better functioning. Social psychologists are worried or deal with or address uh, people among groups, other people, other social situations. So it's not just the individual. They're interested in how individuals interact, that type of thing. So in the 1970s, Phillips and Bardo did a study called the Stanford Prison Experiment. And some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may know there's a bit of a controversy about it, but we'll, I'll see if I can cover that real quickly at some point. Anyway, he did this Stanford Prison Experiment where he randomly assigned uh, normal people, normal because they did some testing, and they, I forget how many people they had as candidates, but they boiled it down to, I believe, seven or eight individuals And they were randomly assigned to the role of a prisoner and randomly assigned to the role of a guard. And then Zimbardo wanted to watch their behavior. How did that, what happened? And um, again, there was no psychological differences between the guards and the prisoners. Well, the, the, the situation got so out of hand in terms of the human behavior of the guards and the prisoners that the study was shut down after, uh, not even a week, I think, and it was supposed to go on for, for a longer period. And it just got so out of hand. The behavior of the people just was absolutely, uh, he was totally in, uh, surprised and shocked by it. Well, he uses that example, that study, now back in the 70s, um, to talk about how situations and systems affect human behavior. It turns out that during the Iraq War, Zimbardo was called in as an expert for the Abu Ghraib uh, guard situation when the prisoners that they behaved so uh, unbelievably out of control. And he was his question goes back to, well, how do good people do bad things? How is it? I mean, the soldiers, generally speaking, are not maniacal people. They were actually these were army reservists. They were, came out of civilian life. They were put into a situation, i.e., the Iraq War. And so that's that's what they did. They, but their behavior was so horrific, and so Zimbardo kept coming back to, so how do we? How does this happen? How do people do bad things? Well, it occurs to me that it's an analogous situation to parental alienation. How is it that good parents, good people, 
do things like alienate their child against another parent. Now, it's not the same degree of the Abu Ghraib uh, tragedy, if you will, uh, or, you know, he, he actually goes into, his book actually goes into some historical figures, you know, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin. I mean, these people did, obviously, horrendous things. So, but on another level, parent alienation is a pretty horrendous thing. It's child abuse. And I have a paper that actually discusses that in terms of meeting the uh, APSAC, the American Society uh, of Professionals on Child Abuse. It meets their guidelines. So anyway, Zimbardo says like there's three elements to um, a, a situation that we need to be looking at. And so I kind of transformed that into the three elements that we have to look at in terms of parental alienation. And that's the individual level, and that's where you're talking about parents and children. There's a social situation where you're talking about a disillusion of a relationship. That's the situation that's going on. And then you have um, the system, and the system is the legal system. So people are finding themselves in the legal system dealing with these types of uh, elements, if you will, that that are in there. And so he says, like, I'm saying good parents and children can do bad things. Why? How does that happen? Well, if you're taking some of our our other courses, we talk about the biological system of children, how it's, you know, basically at at a stage when it's ripe for learning. Children are very susceptible to external influences, i.e. favorite parents, grandparents who want to encourage the alienation, that type of thing. But he also talks about basically evil being the exercise of power that's unchecked. Well, isn't that alienation too? Isn't alienation the exercise of power by one parent that is unchecked, unchecked by the system? How many times do you hear people, you know, in contempt of court orders and and the court, there are no consequences. Don't do it again. If it happens again, and it just kind of goes on and on and on again. It's very rare uh, events where you see a court enforcing its court orders with, with a with any kind of strength, if you will. And then that's the situation is this disposition is within the person, their characteristics. The situation is external to the person. I, yeah, we talked about the dissolution. And then there's a systemic environment, the adversarial legal system. And it's kind of interesting to look at those three elements. So basically in the Lucifer effect, we're looking at men and women are basically equal players. And the research has shown over and over again that men and women are capable of doing the same things, whatever the situation is, that that encourages their behavior. So originally, Richard Gardner talked about 80% of alienation being executed by women. He later adjusted that to, you know, 50-50. And there's really no way to uh, really research that because it's really hard to get a hold of the data. Um, But anyway... Talking about power without oversight is a prescription for abuse. And that's what we're observing in family family court systems, isn't it? Frequently. So within the family, you've got an alienating parent has really taken all of the power. They're operating within the legal system. It's unchecked and there's non-enforcement of orders. It's a recipe for abuse. The delays in the court system because of their being overcrowded is basically sabotages the entire family system. So the Lucifer effect, 
was an attempt to understand the process of transformation, the transformation of how good people wind up doing bad things. What makes people go wrong? What makes human behavior work? What determines human thought and action? And to what extent are we creatures of the situation? So, again, I, I presented this as a thoughts to ponder, but there's a dispositional level, and that's within the litigants and the family. The situational is related to the disillusion, and the systemic is the legal system. One of the things Zimbardo was really emphasizing was that we tend to overestimate the dispositional qualities within the person and underestimate the situational and the systemic factors. And that's an interesting thing to think about, overestimating the dispositional qualities within a person, the characteristics of the person, the personality, their traits. We overestimate that and we underestimate the situation that people find themselves in and, and how that influences human behavior. So within the dispositional level, you have psychopathology. We know frequently that parental alienation, the alienating parent, very often has a personality disorder, very often has a some sort of a, if not a medical condition, they have some kind of a background that's kind of making it difficult for them to function in a normal, socially acceptable way. Very frequently, the alienating or favored parent has a developmental history that basically is, 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 is she's a they, he, she experienced trauma. They had a traumatic childhood. There was some kind of an event that was unresolved, which is a key element here. In other words, they've been abandoned. They've been alienated. They had a parent leave their childhood um, early on. Uh, any There's some sort of a developmental history, a traumatic history within the alienating parent that goes unresolved. We could say in some cases there may be a cultural element that's hard to talk about in terms of, you know, what cultures would be facilitative of, of re alienating a child. And then within the person, there may be a religious element to it, too. That, that's sort of uh, up for discussion. Within the situation, you have a relationship disillusion. You got a divorce happening. Within the situation, you have financial status. It, the more the, the, the wealthier the litigants, the, the more available the legal system is to them. Uh, we have a residential location. In other words, where one lives and what the state is like. We recently had a number of states, and I believe a lot of us starting to look at this, where uh, Colorado was like one of the first ones, I believe in May, that changed the um, rule where you can't sequester a child away from an alienating parent, i.e. a favored parent, in in course of changing child custody, you just can't do that, period, that the child has a favored relationship, a, a positive relationship with one parent. You can't, The state will not disrupt that. Will they're trying to limit judges from doing it and sort of going to be played out in the pellets and probably a Supreme Court, whether or not that's a le legitimate thing. But there are a number of states that are now saying, well, in terms of this reunification business, you can't take the child away from the favored parent, which... If, if the courts really understood that alienation was child abuse, that, that law wouldn't make any sense. Uh, the family dynamics might play a role in terms of how people interact within the family and, and the elements within that family. You know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, how that goes on. 
possibly political orientation might be part of the situation. But again, I think that's up for a conversation. Within the legal system, say, so you see people, there's individuals, individuals find themselves within a situation. The situation is within a system, a power system. The power system in what we're talking about is the legal system that consists of laws, that consists of legal procedures. And I put legal procedures in because many times when I give testimony, I want to say some things. I want to be able to help the court understand something about the phenomenon that we're talking about and addressing, but I can't. I'm an expert, and I can only answer questions. And believe me, one side wants me to talk, and the other side doesn't want me to talk. There are judges. Judges are part of the legal system. They have biases. They're human beings. All humans have some bias and some element which needs to be monitored in some fashion. The lawyers. The system consists of lawyers. Lawyers are there to make a living. So there's a money element to it. Lawyers also have their own biases. Lawyers, lawyers typically represent their clients. The clients are the litigants, not the child. Yeah, we have some child attorneys, which in an, in an alienation situation really exacerbates the situation more than it helps. But that's up for a discussion with a number of people. Guard, guardian ad litems are part of the process. Most guardian ad litems, if they're, whether it be attorneys or, or non-attorneys, really don't know a lot about parental alienation. Yet they come in to do an evaluation, they come in to assess the family, and they frequently don't know what they're looking at. That's not everyone, but there's many of attorneys, judges, and guardians that really don't know a whole lot about this parental alienation. And then there are evaluators. Evaluators come in. How many evaluators don't know? I Again, I think I mentioned this in a previous recording, but I sometimes mention it in, in court. As I remember a case in the state of Washington, and it was a, an evaluator, and the evaluator was saying uh, he, he, he didn't find alienation, yet the children were totally rejecting a father in this particular case. And he was asked, basically, why, why, how do you explain the children's rejection? Well, he didn't know, but, you know, they really didn't like to, they expressed such disdain for the parent that he must have done something wrong. And then when asked about what his education and training was in alienation, he said he thinks he, remet, he read an article about it. Um, so we, we, this is not uncommon, and we'll hopefully we're going to try and change that. You have reunification intervention as part of the system. And if the reunification specialist, therapist, whatever, isn't aware of parental alienation and, and some of the nuances of it, it's not, the reunification isn't going to work. And then finally, there are therapists, mental health professionals, and they're part of the system. So it's really interesting to look at these elements and teasing out how these elements can play a role and what we can do in these situations to um, deal with them in a more effective way. Zimbardo says, if you want to change the person, you got to change the situation. If you want to change the situation, you have to change the system, the power system. In his book, it was really interesting because he talked about a number of uh, studies. One was interesting, which I hadn't heard of. And it was back in the 1970s with a, a person by the name of Albert Bandura. Albert Bandura was the researcher who basically 
did the research on children watching violence cause watching violent situations like cartoons, movies. If children watch those things, they be they immediately begin to exhibit violent behavior. And it's sort of a done science. In other words, if you expose children and people to violent movies and violent episodes and things, that it arouses them to become violent, interestingly enough. And so we wonder what's going on in our culture and society. All you got to do is watch the movies that are being put out there. But that's another conversation. Uh, Albert Banduro did a study where he had three different situations and each group of people had a leader. And the leader was to rate the group. And so they set it up in such a way that there was a confederate who basically was talking aside and allowed the instructor, who was really the subject of the study, allowed this instructor to hear comments about each group. And one group, the instructor heard that these were really good people. They were really nice people. They really were very respectful, really liked them. Another group, these were a bunch of wise guys, and these guys really, really kind of not really nice people, and they were kind of, you know, really disrespectful and that type of thing. And then the third group, they basically had nothing, no information was really shared about the third group. At the end of the study, the instructor was rating the groups, and the group that the instructor overheard that these were really nice people, they got the highest grade. The group that was told that they were kind of disrespectful and they were really not nice, they got the lowest grade, and the group where they heard nothing, they got the middle-of-the-road grade. One utterance about a group of people affected the outcome, the opinion of this instructor. You may be familiar with, I think it was Rosenthal's studies where teachers were told that this group, this class was a super bright class and very highly intelligent, and another group was uh, identified as being very slow, and uh, these were kind of a, you know, you know, developmentally delayed group and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, the third group was nothing. They had no, you know, kind of average. Well, the, the behavior of the students as a function of what the teacher thought was correlated to what the teachers were informed of. The group where the teacher was told that these were really bright children, their academics really performed high, very highly. The group where the children were told that they were really slower group of children, their scores were actually lower than they normally would have been. And the third group was typically the average group. These are two different studies that strongly suggest the effect of what you're telling people affects their behavior. Not only affects their behavior, but can actually influence the group behavior. So imagine a loved parent telling a child that the other parent is dangerous, doesn't love them, doesn't deserve their love and affection, has rejected them, has divorced them. Imagine telling a child negative things about a targeted parent. And people are actually arguing that that doesn't necessarily affect the child's behavior or relationship with the other parent. There is research to show that it's clearly that has an effect on children and it affects the relationship. It's really striking. Anyway, um, 
I don't want to keep you guys too long. I really appreciate it. Please remember that we have some training up on NAOPAS. Feel free. Um, and uh, maybe we'll see you the next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on this topic, please visit www.drbobevans.com or www.naopas.com. We offer classes for both legal and mental health professionals to help educate them on the signs and strategies of parental alienation and how to move forward for a healthier environment for the children of divorce. Please visit www.naopas.com and sign up for our courses and use coupon code PODCAST for a 50% discount. <music>